0: Welcome to And Justice For All, the official podcast of Roosevelt University. Exploring the relationship between education and justice and the transformative power of inclusive education. Hosted by Roosevelt University President Ali Malekzadeh.
1: Our university namesake, Eleanor Roosevelt, once said, that a good leader inspires people to have confidence in the leader. A great leader inspires people to have confidence in themselves. On today's episode, you will meet three Roosevelt students who are the next generation of women leaders. They reflect on how to challenge bias, obstacles to gender equity, and their role models. This episode was recorded live, And is the second in our Women's History Month series. I'll let Maybelline Kruger take it from here.
2: Good afternoon and welcome to today's panel hosted by the Women's Leadership Council. I'm Maybelline Kruger, Chief Operating Officer of the Roosevelt University Schaumburg campus. I'm also a proud member of our Women's Leadership Council Advisory Board. In celebration of Women's History Month, we wanted to highlight some of the incredible Roosevelt students who are our next generation of leaders. Our students continue to inspire us as they pave the way with courage and commitment to leadership and social change. And we are excited to hear their stories and insights. Now, I'd like to welcome and introduce our moderator, Sarah Guernsey. Sarah is Deputy Director and Senior Vice President for Curatorial Affairs at the Art Institute of Chicago. She is dedicated to advancing the museum as an interdisciplinary institute focused on global diverse collecting and inclusive dynamic engagement. She also supports the museum's equity and inclusion efforts, shaping collecting, exhibiting, and programming practices and engaging with internal staff across the institution. She joined the Art Institute as an editor in 1995 and became the head of publishing in 2013 before serving as vice president for publishing and design. Sarah is a member of the Chicago network, serves on the board for the Northwestern University Center for Scientific Studies in the Arts, was the 2016 chair of the National Museum Publishing Seminar and represents the museum as a member organization of Enrich Chicago. Sarah also serves on Roosevelt University's Women's Leadership Council Advisory Board. Sarah, welcome and thank you for joining us today.
3: Hey, thank you so much for your kind introduction. It's such a pleasure to be here today, supporting the work of the council by participating in this important conversation and I'm especially happy to be having the conversation with future leaders. I joined the Women's Leadership Council Advisory Board just last year, and I've been super lucky in my career to have really impactful and amazing women mentors, and I really hope to continue that work throughout my career. I'm especially invested in the intersectionality of identities, this idea that we are all women, but we are Black women, we are brown women, we are white women. We work in very different industries, And I think there's a lot to unpack beyond just the goal of gender equity. So I'm really eager today to introduce our student panelists, and I'm going to ask for each of them to introduce themselves and to share a little bit about their background, including their area of study, their involvement at Roosevelt University, and their career aspirations. So let's start with Soraya. Please join me.
4: Hi, my name is Sheraya Bolden. I'm 21 years old. I'm from Metro Detroit, even though I am currently in Chicago, I'm on campus, which is super exciting. I am a junior and I am double majoring in history and political science, as well as minoring in women and gender studies. I am involved in the honors program at Roosevelt University, and I am a resident advisor as well on campus. And with that comes that I am the leader of the plus pod, which is kind of like a club in the residence hall that's for LGBTQ plus residents as well as allies. And then my career goals, hopefully, fingers crossed, is that I'd like to become a defense attorney and help fight against mass incarceration, as well as the death penalty.
3: Okay, I'm, I am already so wildly impressed by everything you do. I can't wait for you to answer the questions. All right, let's hear from Jaya, too, please.
1: Hi, my name is Jaya. I'm an international student from Canada. I'm currently from Brampton, Ontario. I do my schooling in Chicago. I've had many leadership positions at Roosevelt. I've been part of the saf committee, which is a student allocation committee. I've been a part of the SPEED programming board. I've also been a part of a co-ed fraternity Alpha Phi Omega. Currently I work for like Robert Morris as a student support service uh, tutor.
3: Fabulous, thank you for being here. And next we want to welcome Samantha, please.
0: Hi, everyone. My name is Samantha Latson. I am currently a senior at Roosevelt University majoring in journalism. My career goals consist of either writing for a publication or being a news anchor. And with whatever I do, I want to talk about issues that matter and raising awareness. Um, I've written for the school paper, The Torch, and I'm also part of the career readiness program.
3: So fabulous. So we have a doctor, a lawyer, and a journalist. So thrilled to hear about your path. I also, before we start with our questions, I want to invite everyone watching to add comments, and we would love to, to hear what you would like to know, and if we can add any of your questions to the list of questions I'm going to address. Great. So let's get started. First thing, we're going we're gonna to look back a little bit into your history, and I'm wondering if you can talk just a bit about what you were like as a high school student, and I think there may be some high school students on this call listening I'm wondering if you've always considered yourself as a leader or if this is a skill set that emerged later on, maybe at Roosevelt itself. How about we start with Jaya?
1: So obviously I did schooling in Canada. I don't think I always considered myself as a leader. I always did want to be a leader, but I was always very, I think I was kind of nervous as well. Being wrong was just something that I was always scared of, making a mistake. I felt like being a leader, you always had to be right. You had to know what you were doing. Growing up, I realized that like my mom is like a very strong woman. She's always like done everything by herself. So looking at her, I always did want to be a leader, but I was, like I said, I was very nervous during high school time. And even when I when I moved to Chicago, it was a very different change. My parents didn't come with me when I came here. So I came alone and it was a whole new experience. And I realized like you know what, this time I'm, on, like, I'm here by myself. No matter what I have to do, I have to do it myself. I have to like learn these skills, that's gonna get me through my time at Roosevelt, but also give me these new experiences and adventures. And when I came to Roosevelt, I walked into CSI one day and there was so many people there. And I didn't know, like I was overwhelmed because there was a lot of people and they were all part of different things. They were all ready to make change. They were all very passionate about social justice. So I met Jose, he was a director there at that time. And he started me as a general member at SAFAC And then from that, I went from vice chair, then I became the chair of SAFAC, then I joined the student programming board, then I also pledged for Alpha Phi Omega. I was vice president of service for like a semester. So I think my change of like environment and my change at Roosevelt, I think I became a strong leader at Roosevelt. I definitely would like say that it made me more confident. I took a public speaking class at Roosevelt too because I needed that extra confidence and my professor was great. He told me everything. He made me more confident in my words. Now I know that no matter where I am or what position I'm put in, I know that I'll always stand for what's right and I'll always be a good leader.
3: Yeah, I love the idea that sometimes it's, you know, this idea that you have to always be right to be a leader is so not true. And I think being a compassionate and honest, transparent leader is so much more important. Yes, But I also love this idea of, you know, how do you get into, a how, how do you become a voice? And, you know, mm-hmm. when you go into this room with tons of people, how do you have the confidence to start speaking out and to actually even meet people? Mm-hmm. So it's a really great point. How about you, Soraya?
4: So I definitely was involved in everything in high school. I like dipped my toes in everything. I was in the theater department. I was in the student council. I was in a bunch of like after school programs and clubs. But what's really funny about that is that once I got to Roosevelt my freshman year I didn't really do a lot because I was like scared because it was a new environment. I also wasn't where I was living. I had to go to a new state and so Roosevelt is also a really tight-knit community so I was really like scared about that at first because I was like new and so then my sophomore year I started to dip my toes into other things. So I think it's a little interesting to see my journey from being like this super open person in high school and like involved in everything And then freshman year of college, I was, like, so scared and, like, kind of like a recluse almost. And then I had to, like, push myself again because I knew that, like, it was going to make me uncomfortable. But it's something that I had to do because I am a leader. And it was, like, kind of hard freshman year to just not do anything. So I'm also, like, really proud of myself for pushing myself sophomore year to, like, be more involved in the school.
3: And do you think you consciously made that decision? Like, you were thinking, I need to get out there. I need to be bolder.
4: Completely. Because then like the the summer of sophomore year, I was like, definitely had to reevaluate my freshman year, just do better for myself.
3: Love that. How about you, Samantha?
0: Well, I would say that I've always been a leader. It started in high school. I attended Chicago Christian High School. It was a private school and it was a predominantly white school. There weren't many minorities And so while I was there, I wanted to have a safe space for people who look like me and also other minorities. And so I was actually the leader of Mosaic. And we just wanted to highlight African-Americans during Black History Month, Asians during Asian Heritage Month, and just other nationalities as well. And so that's where I kind of became the leader that I am now, which was in high school. And coming to Roosevelt, I was able to basically hone my writing skills and also being an activist and merge those two things together because they can coexist. So in being a journalism major, I've been able to write about topics that matter to me, raising awareness and also just highlighting issues that many people want to brush under the rug.
3: I love it. I think, um, Samantha, that kind of ties right into my second question for all of you, which is, which is how your um, how your Roosevelt courses or professors have nurtured your leadership skills. And I think, Jaya, you really touched on that as well. But mm-hmm. Samantha, do you want to kind of address that as a follow-up to the last question?
0: I definitely can. There are actually two professors since I've been at Roosevelt who have played a major role And my leadership skills, my journalism skills, Professor Fountain, who is my journalism professor, we actually worked on a project and we just finished it in December, the Unforgotten Project, which was a project on the 51 women who had been murdered in Chicago. And he presented this project to us to raise awareness and humanize the lives that were lost because nobody's been talking about this. And so it was just a great opportunity for not only myself, but other journalism students to succeed where mainstream media failed because no one was talking about these women. And so Professor Brown has played a major role. And then also Professor Chamberlain, being in her class, she's always talking about social justice. And I love how she talks about marginalized groups and just the history, and she ties that in. And both of those professors have just played a major role. They they show me that I can still be a professional and also fight for what is right.
3: Love it, absolutely. And the, um, maybe, I'm really glad you brought up the the Unforgotten Project, because that's one of the things I was hoping you would talk about. And I think that that shows great leadership right there, that that's a project you, you recognize that there was a lack of information and you wanted to humanize it and make it real. So congratulations. Thank you. How about you, Saraya?
4: So I am like, I will always talk about how amazing the professors at Roosevelt are. Without them, my experience would be so much different in comparison. So there's definitely a few people But I am a part of the honors program. So like, because we have professors more often, we're able to build a better relationship with them. So Annie Warshaw, she's amazing. She is a part of the Women and Gender Studies Department, and she's helped me network with other people and given me resources. Um, She actually helped me get onto a a panel that was about feminism. So I got to talk about intersectional feminism, which is so important to me. Marjorie Jarlis. Sarah Maria Rudder, David Ferris, so many people that have helped me and really like showed me how much of a leader that I am and like have reminded me that I am a good student. Cause you know, we all have our doubts and they're like, no, Soraya, you are an amazing student and you can keep doing like so much more. So just, I love my professors so, so much. So grateful. Love
1: it. Jaya, how about you? So my public speaking class professor, he was really great, but I think for me, Like, I've had one-on-one time with my professors, but I think I've grown more with, like, other workers at Roosevelt, like the CSI Career Development. I feel like, because I worked at Career Development, I feel like everyone there helped me while I was growing as a leader because it was very hard to come out of my comfort zone. Mostly when, like, sometimes I used to get homesick, like, really often because I was living in the dorms. It was a whole new experience. It's the first time I was living in a dorm. So um, I didn't know how to get around Chicago. So this was my second time in Chicago all through my life. And the first time I came was just to visit Roosevelt to get my ID card. So I have no idea where to go in Chicago, like not even for groceries or food or anything, because everything was very different. So I feel like I grew as a leader when I had like all these people there supporting me. Even like emotionally, I feel like my mental health was like definitely changing a lot when I came here. So they made me feel stronger than what I actually was at that time. They made me feel like I could do a lot more and that's who I like that's what made me who I am today. I've reached out. I even had like some professors at Northwestern University. They've also helped me out. They've got me into their medical like the I used to volunteer there. I used to work there so they helped me like a lot too. So I feel like I had a lot of people that have, are very strong themselves helped me become the strong leader that I am today.
3: I love hearing all these. One of the things we think a lot about at the Art Institute is when a a new person comes in to to take a job, how do we support them? What supports do they need to feel welcome, to feel as though they're a part of things, to feel as though they can be successful? And I think everything you three have identified are ways that students need to feel supported in order to become the leaders they can be. So thank you. I'm going to jump ahead to a question. The theme of Women's History Month is Choose to Challenge. The theme suggests that all of us can choose to challenge and call out gender bias, racial bias, whenever we see it. And I'm wondering if you can tell us about a time in which you felt challenged by bias and reflecting on your experience, maybe how you would choose to challenge that bias. Let's start with Soraya.
4: So I've had a few times in my life, I would describe myself as very determined and passionate and headstrong. And so there's been a few times where people have told me to pull back and that I'm a little too much. And I really wanna challenge that. There's no such thing as too much. I think that everyone should be passionate and have such a drive to like do better and wanna do better for themselves. And especially since, you know, they probably only said that to me because I am a black woman and because that can be intimidating. So just challenging the fact of, like, don't let anyone tell you that you're doing too much or that, like, you're too, like, passionate because there's literally no such thing as too passionate and too strong or too opinionated even.
3: P.S. Is anyone ever going to say that to a man? Not so sure. <laughs> um, Samantha, how about you?
0: Well, I would say that I wanna challenge racism and disparities and primarily in the African-American community. I wanna call out inequalities. I wanna put people, I wanna hold people accountable. And one of the ways that I feel that I can do that the best is through my writing. So that's really what I wanna do. I want to be a voice for the voiceless. I want to be an advocate for black women because although this is a women's panel, oppression and the inequalities that women experience is different based on race. And so I still feel like the stories of Black women and their perspectives, is also oftentimes silence. And so I wanna challenge that.
3: Absolutely. And I love the idea of voice and that we have a voice that we can speak out. We also, the idea of you using your writing as a way to have that voice is so fantastic. Um, Jaya, what about you?
1: For me, I think it would be gender inequality. Because, so my family, we're from Sri Lanka. So that's, uh, well, like near India. We're, so basically we're Sri Lankan. So for us, I think growing, growing up, my parents have always been very supportive of me. They've never held me back. But I know that I have family members around me who could do a lot more and who know, want to do a lot more. But because of their gender, they're not, they're told not to do a lot. They're told that, you know what, this is like what you need to do. If you want to do more like they try to hold you down. Even when I was trying to come to Chicago, I did have like a lot of people questioning, "Okay, you're sending her by yourself." She like I was 19 years old and I was leaving the country to come by myself here to Chicago. So a lot of people questioned the fact that like my parents were letting me do it. My parents yeah. have always been very supportive, but my everyone was like, "How could you like you don't know the place." And Chicago obviously is not like the best place to talk about when you're in Canada. It doesn't have the best reputation. So the fact that like a lot of people were trying to scare my parents that I couldn't protect myself here, like that I was not going to be able to hold myself here by myself because there were so many things that are happening around me that I didn't know. There's obviously a lot of crime that happens in Chicago. And no matter what, like I, I don't think that stopped my parents. They were scared. I think like my dad would come back from work and he'd be like, oh, like one of my coworkers said this to me, like they were like Chicago's crime city, like this happens in Chicago. Like, And I left like within like three months of making the choice. I was like, I'm going in January. I'm starting in the spring semester." So my dad was very emotional. He was scared too. I think my mom was like the person who was like, she'll be fine. Like whatever. We're only eight hours away. If anything, we can go there. So they've always been very supportive of me through that. But I know a lot of people with the same background as me probably don't get the same opportunities that I've gotten. And that's something that I would like to challenge because if I can do it, anyone else can do. it.
3: I love the idea of how you're going to challenge. And I think that that Maybe we can turn that around a little bit and think about the positive, maybe to think about a time at Roosevelt or outside of Roosevelt in which you felt really proud or excited of your work as a leader and and how you've been able to make change and to impact change, even, you know, as a college student that, you know, you've got a voice and you're using it. Let's see. How about Jay? Do you want to start?
1: Yeah, sure. I think the time that I felt proud is when I finished my first semester at Roosevelt, so I came here in January, I left back to Canada in May, and I was very proud of myself. I was proud of myself that I got through this semester and I was excited to come back the next semester. I was proud that like, by the time I had already left, I was the vice chair of SAPAC and I was only there for like, the this my first semester at Roosevelt. I didn't even have any friends initially. Like I went there not knowing anyone. And you know what, I left that semester a vice chair of SAPAC and applying for speed. I applied for speed. I already got into speed. So the semester coming in summer, I was going to be a part of SAPAC and speed. And then I used to, like I was very proud of myself. I'm like I came here three four months ago, and you know what? I've established a place for me at Roosevelt, a place that I felt like was home. So I was very proud of myself. I think that was like my proudest moment, knowing that I came here and I did this by myself. No one was there to support me. I didn't have any family here. All I got was myself and all the people at Roosevelt were very supportive. So I love
3: that. Um, And that connects to your parents believing in you and and thinking that you could do it. And that feeds into you believing in yourself. Right. Yeah,
4: definitely. Soraya, how about you?
3: What are you really proud of or excited about as a
2: student leader?
4: So for my sophomore year, I was in gender justice. And so we had to do an activism class, like an activism project. And so I was able to register 22 people to vote in Chicago. And that was like, ah, it was just so amazing that I was able to have like so many people who wanted to vote. Because I think voting is really important and I am involved in politics. And so being able to like register people to vote, especially since this past election was so important. And it was also around the midterms. So that was super exciting. I actually had to go out in the community and do something. And then another time where I felt really proud was when, because I am a resident advisor in the residence halls. And so a uh, resident had left for personal reasons, but they came back to visit like a friend and they came to like visit me. And they were like, you know, I just wanted to say hi. Cause, you know, you did change my like time at Roosevelt. And it just made me feel so proud because, you know, I think a big part of being a leader is also having emotions and like being empathetic towards people. So that really solidified the fact of like, oh, uh, my work is like showing, you know, <laughs> it just feels good to like care about people and for people to recognize your work as well.
3: Oh, I love that. You know, you can have big impact, you can have small impact, but the impact radiates, right? So whatever you did that impacted that person, hopefully that person will do this the same and help someone else. Samantha, I'm super interested in your response to this question, knowing your work.
0: Well, I would say there were two moments at Roosevelt. It started in 2019 in Professor Fountain's class, journalism. He presented to us that Father Flager was planning to head to Washington for the national rally to end gun violence. And so I was just curious. I'm like, hmm. Professor, do you think that our class could get a chance to go and then maybe we could cover that event? And it'll be it'll be nice to have that hands on experience with other journalists in the field. And he said, you know what? I'm going to ask Father Flager about that. And I didn't know. But Father Flager said yes. And we ended up being on a bus with Father Flager and a journalist from ABC. And we were headed to Washington. And so that was so exciting. It was exciting to interview mothers who lost their children from Chicago and get their perspective as black women. And then on the other hand, it was also great because I got a chance to meet Congressman John Lewis, which is a moment that I I will never forget. And. I know my classmates and myself, we are very appreciative of that experience, so that was a highlight. And then also working on this Unforgotten Project. Yes, the coverage is amazing, but also just getting that feedback from family members who are just happy that students cared. It took students caring for these women to get the attention that they deserve, and so those are just the two moments, two highlights in my experience at Roosevelt University. Samantha, how could people find out more
3: about the Unforgotten Project? Is so, there a website?
0: Yes, there's actually, there's a, a website, um, Unforgotten Project 51. That's what it is. Um, actually, I could put the link. Are, are we able to put links into the chat?
3: I think Christy, who's helping on the back end, can put it right into that um, comment chain. That'd be great if she could share the website. Thank you. Okay, new question. I'm going to ask you how do you think Roosevelt students and alumni pave the way for young women especially black and brown women to grow as leaders and maybe how how can they do it how can they do it even better do you have ideas to share and let's start with Saraya
4: yeah so i think that providing your students with resources to meet other people and to network is super huge because, you know, knowing people is power and networking is power. And so I like definitely wouldn't be where I am today at Roosevelt or even like in my adulthood without networking. So I think a really good example of this is like Marjorie Jollis or Annie Warshaw. I told them the specific areas that like I'm interested in and they handed me all these resources and were like, here, how, can I, how else can I help? Or then so be like, you know, if you need anything for this application, I can read it over. So I think definitely reaching out to your students and seeing like what resources do they need as well as being there for them emotionally because especially like right now with COVID times, things are so crazy. So I think being understanding and empathetic of women, especially since like the pandemic has put women in a certain, like a certain position that is definitely different from other genders. So empathy, networking, resources, all of those things
3: combined. I love it. Samantha, how about you?
0: Um, I would love to see Roosevelt have a mentoring program. If we could attach ourselves to high schools or even elementary schools in the inner city, I think that would be great. I believe that representation matters and I think it would be important for black and brown children to see college students that look like them and not even college students, but faculty. Even if we could get them to visit Roosevelt or not even Roosevelt, but other schools, I would love to see that just to build a connection. I think that would be great.
3: Great idea. Jaya, any ideas to share?
0: No, I was thinking kind of similar to what Samantha
1: was saying like the mentor program that's something that I would like be interested in doing. So like if I can meet someone like a lot of international students, they're new to Chicago. So like if I had an international student that I met, I would definitely help them see the opportunities that I saw because not everyone gets the opportunities that like, like I saw, like, for example, me walking into CSI that day, I met people, but not everyone would even know where CSI is. So I feel like someone like if there's an international student or I know they do have um like the first day where like they all meet up. Or if you can have someone there to say like, hey, like, you know, I'm here for you anytime you need me, you can always reach out to me or like something like that to show that you're always there for new students or all like students, regardless of what gender they are.
3: I love that. We actually have a a related question from the audience that I'm going to ask you Um, and maybe Samantha, you can take this one first. What do you think, and I actually think it ties exactly into your idea of the mentorship program. What can leadership of Roosevelt University do to enhance the experience of women students in particular?
0: Well, for myself, I would love to see more African-American women faculty. I think that representation needs to be there. As for myself in the journalism department, there wasn't anyone who looked like me. Other than Professor Fountain, who is who is a black male, but I think we need to we need to have more faculty who can actually identify with the students and their experiences. I'm so grateful to the professors that I've had who don't look like me who have played a major role in my life. But I think representation definitely matters. You're listening to and Justice for All. The official podcast of Roosevelt University.
3: Not that.
4: Samantha,
3: sorry. Soraya, what about you?
4: I would echo the same thing that Samantha said. I've never had a Black professor ever, even like a Black teacher in my life, except for like maybe a gym teacher when I was in elementary school. So I definitely think that like learning about history, because I am a history major from a black professor would be profound. Even though like I like like Samantha said, I do appreciate my professors that I've had, but um, it definitely is different coming from like a white person teaching about slavery. So I definitely think more representation and like having people who are those identities teaching about those identities instead of like other identities teaching over them, if that makes sense.
3: Absolutely makes sense. Super smart.
4: Jaya,
1: do you have anything to add? Um, I think, like, what Sarah and Samantha said, definitely having more of a diversity at Roosevelt would mm-hmm. be great Because, like, for me, like, it's very different because most people, don't, like, they assume I'm Indian, but I'm not Indian. I'm Sri Lankan. I feel like just according to my skin color, like, they already made, like, a decision you're Indian. So, like, you're the specific category. But actually, I'm not. So normally when I people, meet people, they don't even, like, some people don't even know where Sri Lanka is or what Sri Lankan is. So for me, I'm very proud of my culture, but I and I would love to share that with people, but I've never had the opportunity to. So I feel like if Roosevelt gave me opportunities for diversity, and for like events that like include varieties of students from different cultures and religions to come up, that would be really great.
3: Do you think affinity spaces might help to have more opportunities for for conversation?
1: Yes, definitely.
3: Got it. Good. Okay. Thank you. Next question. Let's see. What should we ask next? This is kind of a fun one. Who is one of your role models when it comes to effective leadership? And I think you can pick a Roosevelt University professor or you could pick someone else entirely. I think you could pick John Lewis, but maybe let's uh, have, let's have Samantha go first.
0: It's so funny that you said John Lewis because that's actually where I was going. And then oh, when... I'm a
3: mind reader. So
0: I'm going to have to take, I'm going to have to go with John Lewis on this one because I want to make good trouble. I really do. That's what I want to be known for as a journalist. Sam, the reporter who raised awareness, tackled issues that not every journalist wanted to tackle, but she wasn't afraid. She wanted to be an advocate for not only black people, but all marginalized groups. That's what I want to be known for. So if that's considered good trouble, I want to be like John Lewis. Professor Fountain is also someone that I admire because every Sunday he has a column, every week he has a column that's coming out and he's tackling issues pertaining to the Black community and highlighting injustices. And he's been doing that throughout his career. So that's what I aspire to be. So those two people.
3: Love it. Okay, Jaya, how about you?
1: I think for me, I want to make it a little personal. I would definitely say my mom. Because she definitely breaks the stereotype of a woman. She could do everything that a man can do. And that's what she saw me growing up. She's like, "There's there shouldn't be anything differentiating a gender. There's nothing that I can't do that. Your dad can do. So she's definitely a very strong movement. She's done everything. Actually, she's done everything even better than my dad. I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but I think she could do anything. I hope your dad's not listening. <laughs> I think that like they say, like there's a woman behind a man's success, but definitely my, that woman is my mom and she is the success in her family. She's the one that leads her family. She's done everything. And she makes me like proud every day because she could do what like anyone can do. And she's always told me that. So I don't think I'll be the person that I am today or even be sitting in front of you guys talking if it weren't for her. So I would definitely give my, like, I am very proud of my mom.
3: So oh my gosh, I hope your mom is listening. That was
4: beautiful. So <laughs>
1: cool. Yeah.
4: Um, okay, Soraya, how about you? I'm also going to take a little personal. So I would definitely say all of my friends. We push each other so hard to do our best and to continue to push ourselves. And so like a good example is that whenever there's like a scholarship or uh, a program that we think like would be good for each other, we'll like text each other and be like, oh, I think you'd be really good for this. Or, oh, if you need help with this application, please let me know. So I think having a good network of friends and like supporting friends that want to see you do really well, it's so important. Cause if you see people around you doing really well, you also really want to do really well. And it also feels really good to just see your friends doing so well, especially all as women. It's like so, so amazing, so inspirational to see that.
3: I love it. So we have a, we have a good audience question here relating maybe to Samantha's response. The question is during the civil rights movement, black men did not include women in leadership how can Black men today aid in including women in having equal opportunities as men? So that's a big one. Do you wanna take it Samantha, try first first shot?
0: Well, I think that during that time, Black men wanted to be in the forefront and be the voice of the civil rights movement. But I think now what we need to do is look at Black women as your equal, Let's, let's work together actually, one could argue that Black women were actually the backbone of the civil rights movement. So (laughs) it's just that, you know, men, men in general, that patriarchy and that privilege is what kind of took place in the civil rights movement. But I think now Black men should see Black women as equals. Let's do this thing together. We're fighting a common goal. We don't need to do what society is doing as far as putting men against women. Let's work together as marginalized groups because we're, we're the same.
3: Great answer. Soraya and Jaya, do you want to
4: jump in? Yeah, so I would say definitely focusing on intersectionality. I think a big part of why Black men were the focus of the civil rights movement was because it was mainly focused on race. Mm-hmm. And I think intersectionality is so important, especially today, because we all experience life very differently. So just because we are both black does not mean that we experience race the same. That doesn't mean that we experience gender the same. So definitely taking into account gender and sexuality, all of these different identities, and putting that to the forefront of the movement, just like not like a like a afterthought, but it's definitely supposed to be intentional with our intersectionality.
1: Yeah. Anything to add? Yeah, I think I go off of what they both said. Definitely making sure that everything is equal. Standing together is what makes a difference. I feel like there shouldn't be anyone standing behind or front. It's we all stand together. If we're going to make a difference, we're all doing this together. Because we're all fighting for the same cause. Why should we fight differently? We can all fight together as one.
3: Actually, I think our next question touches on this and maybe will help us go a little bit deeper. Worldwide, we've made slow but positive progress to closing the gender gap in the workplace, politics, education, and health. What do you see as the most pressing obstacles to gender equality today? And I I was thinking about this, especially considering the past year and the struggles surrounding COVID, inequitable health care, racial discrimination, and particularly, Soraya touched on this earlier, the experience of women working moms in the workplace and how that's impacting specifically Black women in the workplace and facing COVID. Who wants to take this one first?
4: if i could jump Soraya, in. You're on. <laughs> so there has been a huge disparity with the amount of women who have lost their jobs during the COVID pandemic majority of the people who have lost their jobs are women and the even majority of that group is women of color specifically black women so i think that's going to be like a huge thing that we're going to have to focus on in the coming years when it comes to feminism because we have made women have made so many gains in the workforce when it comes to having work and being in managerial positions. And now that's practically gone. We're practically in the, the um, age of like the 70s where like there was women in the workplace, but there wasn't as many. So we are regressing when it comes to progress in the workplace. So I definitely think that employers and even universities need to do better at reaching out to women and making sure that like, yeah, you're hiring women, but what are you doing to make sure that we are keeping women, especially during parts like this of economic recession? that these marginalized groups and communities are going to be affected more. So definitely putting into place these policies to make sure that we are retaining women and making sure that they have all these resources to make sure that they can actually stay in their jobs and actually work because all these women have now lost their jobs and they now have lost a source of income, which is like huge because now we all know that families like can barely survive on one source of income, barely can survive on two sources of income, let's be honest. So that's such an, a pressing issue right now.
3: Absolutely. Jaya, what do
1: you think? So one thing like I, I don't think I mentioned during this whole broadcast was so initially like social justice issues. I've learned a lot about it during Canada, but I think I've when I came here, I saw it physically. Like I literally saw it within my eyes all the changes, all the stuff that's happening. When I was in Canada, I, I knew about it. I thought it was something that was in the past, although I knew that it was happening here, but never thought it was going to be this bad. So when I came here, mostly during COVID times, I've seen like a lot of stuff that happened and I still can't believe till this day that it's still going on. People need to understand that there is no point, there is no point in making a stereotype of anything because at the end of the day, regardless of whatever financial issues, mental health is a big thing. I feel like what happened this past year, regardless of what color, race or gender, we're all going through this together. It's not happening for a specific group of people. We're all going in this, we're all in this pandemic together. So discriminating, it just makes it harder for people and we've lost so many lives during this time that COVID doesn't pick a color, race or gender to affect. It doesn't matter who is getting COVID, it's going to affect the person that gets it. So the fact that people still discriminate during this time, when people need most, like they need most help right now, they need a hand right now, they need financial support right now. People should be there for everyone, regardless of race, gender or color. And protect each other because at the end of the day, like I've seen discriminating, like while I was on the bus, like I live near like, I used to live near Bronzeville. So when I was there, I think like this past summer, there was like discriminating. I'm like, like, it doesn't matter what color the person is, regardless of what if they have COVID, you'll get it. But it doesn't mean that the specific race will have COVID. Like that stereotype is really, like, really, really wrong. And I feel like a lot of people are so uneducated that they don't even understand what COVID actually happened and how this pandemic is affecting everyone.
3: Right, and it's also brought up the, you know, the absolute inequity in terms of yeah. support for people, healthcare support in different communities. Samantha, what about you?
0: Well, I would say that I'm actually really worried about children in the educational system right now. Mm-hmm. Prior to COVID, there were already disparities in education, and that goes with the educational achievement gap. And I'm really Mm -hmm. concerned about African-American children, Black and brown children who don't have the privilege to have certain resources in the times of COVID. And so when we do make it out of COVID, because I believe that we will, how are Black and brown children going to be able to close this gap? This is an issue that needs to be fixed and it's a pressing issue. And it's something that I really worry about because there are already so many struggles and obstacles in minorities way, like children. So how are we gonna overcome that if we're already not given an equal shot, let alone in a pandemic?
3: That's why we need that mentorship program that you
0: recommended. Mm
3: -hmm. First step, such a good idea. Connecting students to women of color who are in you know in a university setting who want to be connected it's a great idea. Okay, so I'm going to ask another question and we have a couple more from the audience. This is a good one. What advice would you give to new students or alumni who hope to become leaders? And I think you can think about again kids or university students or leaders. Oh, Samantha, do you want to take this one?
0: Yeah, I actually want to take that one. I would say find your niche find what you're passionate about, what don't you like, what's taking place in the world that you want to change and work in that. Try to fight against that using whatever gift that you have. So like Minds is Writing. I know that I no. couldn't fight against oppression and discrimination being a politician because that's not me. I'm a writer. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write articles or I'm going to be that girl on TV speaking out against oppression. That's me. So Try to collaborate what you want to fight against and also your skill because they can coexist.
3: I love it. So good. Soraya, how about you? So,
4: is the question like advice? Because I kind of froze. For a second. Is that, yeah,
3: sorry. Happy to repeat. What advice would you give to students, alumni, anyone who hopes to become a leader?
4: So I would literally say the same thing as Samantha, finding the best way that you feel is comfortable to express your voice. So I'm one of those people who is always talkative. So I'm not afraid to like say my piece, but there are some people who are a little more shy. And so that's okay too. So figure out how you can speak through that shyness. I know that there's so many different ways that you can be involved in activism. Now there's social media, there's like music and the arts. There's uh, straight up activism, which is like going door to door and knocking on doors and campaigning for elections and all that stuff. So definitely finding the way that you feel most comfortable and also recognizing that like there isn't you don't have to stick to one way. You can also be a writer. You can also be on social media. You can also be door to door. So there's also like so many ways that you can be involved. So don't limit yourself also because the world is so broad and there's so much that you can do.
3: Right. I'm completely convinced that Samantha in 10 years is going to be a politician.
4: <laughs>
0: <Me too. laughs> I'll vote for you. I'll vote for you. Exactly. I'll vote for you. <laughs> well, thank you. We'll see. Jay, <laughs> how about you?
3: Journalism. I don't know, no Journalism now, but then, you know, you may find yeah. your way. We'll anyway, see. No, I, I think for it. me, it's,
1: it's don't hold yourself back and don't let anything else hold you back either. Because... No matter what, there's so much opportunities in the world. Sometimes things don't go the way you plan it. And that's okay because no matter what the plan is, as long as you are there to support yourself and you're there to support the people that need you and the people in need and have a voice for yourself, there's nothing in this world that can stop you. You can be the change that you want to be. Don't let anything or anyone tell you otherwise, regardless of what race, gender you are. You're capable of doing anything else that anyone else can do this world, whether that's becoming a doctor, a writer, a... Journalist, or like even like even if you want to be the president one day don't let anyone tell you that you can't do it so many women in in the past history have made so many changes we wouldn't be the people that we are today if there weren't other women standing up for us so let's be the change for other women in the future
3: okay we're gonna take a couple audience questions one is there a cause that is most important to you I think we've touched on this in many of your responses, but maybe you each want to choose one to, to speak to. Jay Eddie, you wanna go first?
1: My thing for me is breaking gender roles because I don't see any difference between men and women. And definitely there's there shouldn't be any stereotype. I feel like that's something that we still need to work on.
3: Do you have any resources or groups you would recommend to be inspirational to our viewers on that front?
1: Like wooden groups.
3: I don't know, I just wonder if there's a is there a group at Roosevelt that's particularly Um, dedicated to women's issues or um, a group you're a part of?
1: There's like so many. I feel like it depends on what you stand for, I think. But there's the, Roosevelt has so many resources and sometimes they even have panels. Like I know that they have like where you can actually go. They have talent shows where people can go write their poetry. They have art showcase where you can, if you have something that you're very passionate about and you wanna share with anyone, Roosevelt will help you definitely establish that to other students. It is going to take Honestly. work. You just have to find the right person, and trust me, they will help you figure out what you need to know do next to provide your idea that so other students can see what you're proud about.
3: Soraya, how about you? Is there a cause you're particularly dedicated to?
1: Definitely violence
4: against women. The World Health Organization just released a report saying one in three women will experience violence in their in her lives, and that's a lot of women. That's like way too many. And frankly, we see case after case after case of women being killed, sexually assaulted for just simply existing. So I think too, also providing resources for your local homeless shelter, for domestic abuse shelters. There's so many ways that you can get involved with helping fight against violence against women. I especially think a really big way to do that is by helping change the culture around the world. Because women are seen as expendable and we're not. That's just point blank period, we are humans and we shouldn't be experiencing violence like this to the extent that we are, which is completely just mind blowing and it's very heartbreaking. So I really hope that in my lifetime that there will be a change because it's simply appalling.
3: Agreed, absolutely. Samantha, how about you? A cause you're very dedicated to.
0: I would say dealing with race, tackling that, and then also uplifting marginalized groups Yes, I wanna talk about, I wanna call out racism, but I also wanna be the person who can uplift black people, individuals who already feel put down. I wanna lift this up because we need that.
3: Love it. Okay, we have a couple of things that have come in. One, you sort of already touched on this in your introductions, but maybe you could each talk about it again briefly. What are your career goals and what would you like to do once you graduate from Roosevelt? Let's go with Saraya, please.
4: So I'm hoping, I'm currently working on my application for Teach for America. So fingers crossed, ah, so excited hey, about that. So great. But, um, and then hopefully once I'm done with that, I will go back to law school and become a lawyer. My dream is to become a defense attorney. And then, you know, who knows where life will take me. Maybe I'll write a book, maybe I'll become a politician. I just have so many possibilities open to me and I'm not gonna limit myself because as I said a million times, I'm very passionate and very driven. So I'm gonna put my mind to, I'm gonna probably do it. (laughs) Good
3: for you, I believe it,
4: Samantha. How about
3: you?
0: So, actually, post graduation, I'm attending grad school. I want to focus uh, more so in broadcast journalism because my end goal is to be a news anchor. So one day you will see me on CNN. I'm speaking at us. You (laughs) probably
1: will.
0: So that's those are my plans. That's what I plan on doing. So right now I just have to pick a school that I want to go to. I actually got into the three schools, my three top schools that I wanted to go to. Northwestern, U of I, in Urbana-Champaign, and Indiana University in Bloomington. Awesome. Great
3: choices.
0: Thank you. So Samantha, so
3: you've got a year, Saraya, you can, you're still playing, but um, Samantha, you're on your way. That's amazing. How about you, Jaya?
1: So I want to be a pediatrician. I love kids and I definitely want to go in the medical field. So I want to be a pediatrician, but, um, I think after the first year I graduate, I definitely want to travel the world. I want to work through the world health organization. I want to go to third world countries and provide free healthcare. So that's like, that's something that I want to do. I want to provide women with sanitary equipment, help them understand how their body's changing and make sure that like I can provide all the support that I get because I'm getting the education that I want and I want to provide the help that I can do with my education. So somebody in the audience
3: said, these young women are impressive. It makes me hopeful for our future society. Absolutely, the truth. You three are amazing. You need to lead our world. We need, um, we need you on presidential tickets, on CNN, doctor, lawyer. You're all fabulous. So I wonder if you each want to share a final thought before we wrap
0: the session. Sure, I just would like to say thank you for giving us this platform. I think this conversation is so important. So I would love, I think it would be great if Roosevelt could have conversations like this every month not just mm. in um, Women's History Month because this yeah. is an important yeah. conversation and the first step to making any change mm-hmm. is addressing and having a much needed conversation. So thank you so much for giving us this platform.
3: Fabulous. Soraya, how about you?
4: I'd also like to say thank you for inviting me, and I'm so excited to be a part of this panel with such amazing women. I was just telling someone about how when I first got invited, I was like, I don't know why I got invited. I was just like so uh, self-conscious a little bit. But like being here with all of you has really solidified the fact that like, I am a leader, and it's okay to view myself as a leader. So just thank you for the confidence, Bruce, as well. It feels really good. And I loved being here and having this conversation. It was amazing. So great. Thank
1: you. Jaya. Um, Again, thank you for giving us this opportunity to speak, uh, speak about our experiences. One thing I'll tell everyone, don't let anything bring you down. Definitely shine like you're the brightest star in the sky. Do everything that you think that you're capable of doing and more. Push yourself every day. Because trust me, there's always, there's a strong leader in all of us. We just have to find the person. And always surround yourself with good things and good people and stay positive. I always believe that you can like speak it into existence so always be positive towards yourself and the surroundings and you can always make a change
3: I love this you are all amazing and I feel like this has been the most nourishing hour I could have asked for so thank you I don't want to honestly (laughs) (laughs) thanks to the audience for listening and thanks again to Roosevelt for bringing us together what a treat thanks everyone
0: thank Thank you. you thank you
2: And Justice for All is produced by Roosevelt
0: University and is available at roosevelt.edu or anywhere you get your podcasts. The music for And Justice for All is written and produced by Jesse Case. Thanks for listening.